Church, in our text of Scripture for today, we see uh, another expression of Jesus' grace, this grace that He gives His followers. In fact, in our text for today, we see an incredible work of transformation by the power of Christ, an expression of comfort for the hurting, direction for the confused, life for the dead. So as we continue forward in a new year, perhaps there are some here this morning who are longing for comfort. Perhaps there are some who are searching for direction. Perhaps there are some who are in need of life. If that is you, be encouraged today because this same Jesus, this same Christ who we read of in the story of Scripture is among us today. By His Spirit, He is dwelling with us and He desires to lead us and to comfort us and to transform us as we follow after Him. We'll be in John chapter 11 this morning, so if you would open the Scriptures with me to John chapter 11. And John chapter 11 is the passage of Scripture that recounts Jesus raising uh, His friend Lazarus from the dead, bringing a dead man uh, back to life. And as the story goes, Jesus was friends with Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. He had had befriended them. He had spent time, no doubt, in their home. He had spent considerable time with them. And Lazarus becomes ill, becomes very sick. This is not uh, the ordinary common cold. Lazarus becomes so ill that he is on the verge of, of death. And his sisters send for Jesus because they know that Jesus is someone special. They know that he is a miracle worker and they send for Jesus to come and to heal their brother. As the story goes, Jesus hears the news and he doesn't come. As the story goes, because he loved them, he delayed. He stayed where he was for a couple more days and then eventually he comes. And that's where we pick up the story today in John chapter 11, verse 17, in the meantime, while Jesus delays, Lazarus dies. So let's pick up John chapter 11, verse 17, as you find your place in God's Word. Let me invite you to join me standing for the reading of God's Word. We'll be looking at this passage of Scripture in three uh, short sections, three short readings. Uh, we won't look at the whole chapter and In particular, we're going to hone in on the dialogue between Jesus and Martha when Jesus shows up. So verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we do ask that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you would speak to us through your word by the power of your spirit, that our lives might reflect knowing and following you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Well, you may be seated. You know, we really don't know a whole lot about this this man named Lazarus, other than he and his sisters were friends of, of Jesus. They were followers of Jesus. They had faith in Jesus. They were privileged to know Jesus. And when Lazarus died, his family did what uh, other families do when you lose someone. 
Just as every family represented here this morning has experienced grief on some level or another, Mary and Martha grieved the loss of the brother. They grieved the loss of, of Lazarus. And as we look at God's Word today, the first truth that I want us to see, I think we're prone to skip over if we fly through the text, is that life includes pain and loss. Life includes pain and loss. Just yesterday, many gathered to remember the life and celebrate the life of a faithful shepherd and a humble servant of the Lord, Dr. Ron Sumners, who pastored this church from 1993 to 2012 and made a tremendous impact here on on this church and in this community and on many of our lives. And the truth is, if you live long enough you will grieve the loss of family and friends. If you live long enough, you will face regrets over thanks that has not been given, over stories that have not been told. If you live long enough, you will experience hurt and pain and brokenness and frustration and anxiety. If you live long enough, sickness will interrupt things. If you live long enough, you may question and wonder and doubt the plans and purposes and even the goodness of God. If you live long enough, you will experience fear and anxiety. If you live very long as a follower of Jesus, then you will experience the attacks of the devil, seeking to suppress you and guilt over your own sin. Church, life includes pain and loss, so let's admit Fear and guilt and hurt and regret. Let's admit these things. Let's acknowledge that these are part of the human experience and even part of the Christian experience. So as we enter into 2017, let's not ignore these things. After all, the first step, right, on the road to recovery is what? To admit that there's a problem. To admit that we need help, that we cannot do this alone, that we need someone to intervene and rescue us and to save us. And ultimately, God has done that in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, today is the first day of the year, and many folks celebrate New Year's in different ways. Some folks perhaps don't celebrate uh, New Year's at all, but... Even though we celebrate New Year's today, did you know not all of the world celebrates New Year's today? In fact, Chinese New Year's celebration begins this year on January the 27th and lasts for several days. And according to legend, the Chinese New Year uh, celebration and festivities began uh, over a legend concerning a beast that would enter the village and wipe out the village. In fact, devastate the village and and take people, especially children, for himself to devour uh, uh, people in the village. And one year, in a certain village, as the legend goes, the people decided, we're not going to have this. We are going to save ourselves. And so they hid and they ran. They fled the village in hopes of not being attacked by this beast, except for one elderly man who stayed behind, intent on confronting the beast. So this man stayed behind and he put uh, red uh, letters and and red paper all up over uh, the place. 
Because red's an important color in that part of the world, in China. And he began to shoot off firecrackers with the hopes that the loud noises uh, would scare away the beast. And as the villagers returned, they discovered that it had worked. The village was left intact. The beast had not come, that he had been afraid. And ever since, many folks in China had celebrated the New Year's with the color red, red letters and red costumes and red clothes and red lanterns and making loud noises in an attempt to scare away this beast. Now, I'm sure that most people in that part of the world, even today, don't believe the historicity of that story. It's a myth. Perhaps some do. But for year after year after year, many villagers in China feared the new year. They were afraid of this beast. They were afraid of what was ahead. And as we have entered into a new year this year, you probably have not feared a beast, but you may have other fears. You may be fearing the consequences of past choices. You may be fearing a new year without a loved one. You may be fearing the future of your marriage that seems to be falling apart. You may be fearing a layoff. You may be fearing the rising cost of health care. You may be fearing the results of the next PET scan. And these fears may lead you to question the purposes and the plans and even the goodness of God. And if so, know that you are not alone. For the Scriptures show that even the faithful may question God. Even the faithful, according to the Scriptures, may question God. Listen to Martha's response in John chapter 11, verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Can you identify with Martha at all here? Lord, if you had been here, God, if if you had shown up, if you had spoken, if you had warned me about this, if you had intervened here, then my life would not look like this right now. See, Martha knew Jesus. She knew the power of Jesus. She knew that He was the Messiah. She confesses it later on in this exchange. Yet she only had a partial understanding of the purposes and plans of God. She was only seeing part of the story. And when Lazarus, the brother, is sick, Mary and Martha appeal to Jesus on the basis of his love for them. The basis of the relationship that they had with him. And no doubt, when they called for Jesus in this circumstance, they expected him to come. But he didn't show up. At least not at first. I'm going to ask you this morning, have you ever thought in your own life, in your own mind, that your plans were slightly better than God's plans? I mean, be honest here. Perhaps we've never put it that way, but we've all acted that way. We've all thought that way in one moment or another. God, I I know that I should share you with my coworker. In my opinion, what she thinks about you really seems like her business and not mine. 
God, I know that it's wrong to, to lust after another, but, but it's looking really so bad as long as it doesn't lead to anything else. Or God, I, I know that I know that church is important. I know that it's important to be among your people and to open the scriptures and to sing your praises and to encourage and pray for one another. But at this season in my life, being somewhere else, perhaps regular weekend getaways or at the baseball park or you fill in the blank, seems like a better option. For God, I know that that you are in control and you are good. But the best expression of your goodness and your sovereign control would be to take this illness from me, to heal me of this disease. Or the best expression of your sovereign mercy in my life would be to do a work of transformation in my spouse to make him or her more lovable. Sometimes we think that our plans are better than than God's plans. And I think there's a hint of that here in Martha's response to Jesus. Subtle, slightly confronting Jesus in an indirect way saying, Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, things would not be like this. I think the scriptures invite us to be honest with God. The Scriptures invite us to express our emotions and questions and even frustrations, even complaints to God. In fact, listen to the psalmist writing in Psalm 80, verses 4 through 6. And keep in mind that this is, this is a believer. This is someone with faith in God, a worship leader writing prayers and hymns to be used in worship. And he says, How long, Lord God Almighty, How long will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You've made us an object of derision to our neighbors and our enemies mock us. How long, Lord God Almighty, will you allow this? God, do you know what's going on here? Do you know what we're experiencing here? Truth is, even the faithful may question God, and God knows this. And He also knows that often through hurts and hardships and frustrations and pain and suffering, the faith of His people is strengthened and His Word goes forth. So church, in the midst of questioning, in the midst of doubting, let's invite the Lord to correct us and to lead us. Invite the Lord to correct us and and to lead us. Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And by the way, this is not just Martha saying this. Later on, when Jesus speaks to Mary, Mary responds the same way. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And even the Jews, the crowd, when they observed Jesus' love for for this family, for Lazarus, verse 37, the Jews respond, couldn't this man have done something about this? Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 22, but I know, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Even now God will give you whatever you you ask. See, Martha only had a partial picture of the plans of God. She only had a partial picture of what God was doing in her life and in these circumstances and a partial picture of the nature of, of Jesus' ministry, but 
She knew Jesus. She knew Jesus' power. She knew His strength. She knew that He was present. She knew that even now, God could work in whatever way He chose. She expressed the same truth that Paul expresses to the Romans in Romans 8, 28. And he wrote, he said, For we know that in all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love you, love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For we know that in all things, pain, and illness, and suffering, and frustration, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purposes. And God works for the good in this circumstance and in this story. So let's look at the rest of it. John chapter 11, picking up in verse 23. Jesus said to Martha, He said, Your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And I think we're often like Martha. A limited understanding of who God is and how He's working, how He's working in our lives and the circumstances surrounding us. And as uncomfortable as it is for us in this particular story, Jesus delayed. He waited. He allowed this family and others to experience suffering and grief and hurt and hardship ultimately in some way to bring about good. And John tells us clearly as he records this story that that, in fact, is what is going on through this story. That this story really is meant to witness to the power of Jesus over death and to point people to faith in Him. In fact, track it with me here in John chapter 11, back up to verses 14 and 15, and and listen to the emphasis on believing, on faith in Jesus. So this is before Jesus arrives. He's speaking to his disciples and says he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. So that you may believe. Verses 25 and following. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Catching all that believe and believing. Verse 27, yes, Lord, she said, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Verse 40, it continues. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Verse 41, so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. In other words, this whole story 
Lazarus being raised from the dead is ultimately meant to spark faith in the lives of those who witnessed it and heard about it and read about it, ultimately leading people to faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, John says later in this gospel, chapter 20, verse 31, he says that is why he writes all of this. That's why he includes the signs that he does and the teachings that he does, because he wants people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. These things have been written, he writes, so that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior and the Son of God, the Lord of all. So why is believing such a big deal? Why does, why does belief matter? Why does faith matter? For those who believe, Jesus gives new life. Friends, Jesus gives new life. One who was born in a manger, born and laid in a manger, one who walked streets of Nazareth and Jerusalem through Samaria and, and Bethlehem. This one gives new life. And this particular story of God's Word, John chapter 11, calls us, beckons us, encourages us, prods us to receive this new life. To receive the life that Jesus gives. Have you received it? Have you received the life Jesus gives? Are you living the life that Jesus calls you to live? Are you, really, are you living as a follower of Jesus Christ? John chapter 3, well-known passage of Scripture, Jesus is conversing with a religious man, Nicodemus, who comes to Jesus at night with some questions. Nicodemus, one who knew the Scriptures well, but knew that there was something significant about this Jesus. So he comes to Jesus, and Jesus tells him, John chapter 3, verse 3, he says, Very truly I tell you. In other words, I'm not lying. This is really important. Don't miss this. Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. No one can see the kingdom of God. No one can be part of God's kingdom. No one can be in God's kingdom and forever worship the king and enjoy the presence and the provision of the king unless they are born again, unless they receive this new life. So new life in Jesus is about a transformed life. It's about a different life. It's about forgiveness of sins. It's about a new direction. It's about a fulfilled life. It's about a new beginning, a new start, a life of significance and purpose and, and meaning as a child of God. Not just in the future, but even here and now. For Jesus said, John chapter 10, verse 10, He said, The thief, the devil, comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Abundant life here and now. Jesus gives new life. Thus, find life in Jesus. Friends, find life in Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Surrender to Jesus. Some of the most well-known and loved verses of Scripture are about this life that is found in Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. New creation, new life in us as followers of Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, right? But Christ lives in me. 
It's not about my life. It's about Christ's life in me and through me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, believing in Jesus, faith in Jesus is about a new life. It's about forgiveness of sins. It's about restoration. It's about redemption. So if you have not received this life, if you have not trusted in Jesus for salvation, then find life in Jesus today, here and now. January 1st, 2017, find life in Jesus. Life that is abundant here and now on this earth and life that never ends. Let's make 2017 a year of knowing Jesus, of living for Jesus, of serving Jesus. And perhaps for others, probably the vast majority of folks gathered here as the church today, you have received this life. You've repented of your sins. You've trusted in Jesus for salvation, but perhaps you have drifted from following Him fully. Maybe you're living with pain. Maybe you're living with regret. Maybe you're burdened in a cycle of sin. Maybe you're sensing guilt over sin in your own life. And if that is you, then the Scriptures call you to return to Jesus. Return to Jesus. Return to the giver of life. Remember Peter? Peter, a follower of Jesus, one of the twelve. In fact, even greater than that, one in the inner circle of Jesus' followers, yet in Jesus' most desperate hour, as he's arrested, Peter abandons him. Peter denies any knowledge of this Jesus, any association with this Jesus. But what does Jesus do after he is raised back to life from the dead? He returns to Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? Ask him three times, Peter, do you love me? Mirroring the three times that Peter denies Christ. And through that encounter, Jesus restores Peter. He reinstates Peter and He uses Peter in a mighty way to grow the church in Jerusalem and beyond. Peter drifted from a faithful walk with Christ, yet he returned to Jesus. Have you drifted from Jesus? If you've drifted from Him and life lived for Him, return to Jesus. The truth is that we all have regrets. We've all made mistakes. We're all prone to wonder. We're all prone to fret. We're prone to worry. We're prone to fear prone to fall into old habits of sin, patterns that are inconsistent with faith in Christ. But regardless of your situation, regardless of your circumstance, regardless of the struggles that you may be experiencing, regardless of your spiritual condition this morning, even now, Jesus will give you new life. Friends, Jesus will give you new life. Even now, Jesus will give you new life today. Jesus will give you new life, even now. Even now, Jesus will give you new life. So friends, as we think about how we can live that new life that Jesus gives, that new life that He extends to us, I invite you to reflect on on your own life, to reflect on your own circumstances, to reflect on your own walk or lack thereof with the Lord and to think of perhaps some things in your life that that you have not surrendered to the Lord. Perhaps 
regret that you are living with, perhaps a, a cycle of sin that you keep falling back into, perhaps guilt over a certain sin that you have confessed and Jesus paid for on the cross. Think of some of these patterns, some of these struggles, some of these regrets or hardships in your own life. And to my helpers this morning, pass out some, some cards. Uh, and go ahead, guys. And as David comes and leads us in a hymn of response, let me invite you to take one of these cards, one of these pieces of paper. It's blank. It's for you. It's not for anyone else. And write two or three things on this card that, that you would put in that category. Perhaps a cycle of sin that you keep falling into or regrets in your own life from 2016 or from some time past or, or guilt that you wish the Spirit of God would, would take from you. Write two or three of these things down. And then as you do, let me invite you to mark those out. Mark them out and replace them with how new life in Christ ought to be carried out in that particular category. Replace them with what new life and serving the Lord looks like in this particular part of my life. So as David leads us in a hymn of response, you remain seated where you are for the first verse or so. Uh, work on this. This is for you. And then David will invite us to join in singing together.